The following podcast contains spoilers and pretty naughty language. We watch it. Hello, all you beautiful people out there. It's We Watched a Thing, which means, as always, you've got Billy, and as about every fourth or fifth episode, you've got Sam from Movie Reviews and Twitter Cues, because it's a Marvel movie this week, so we had to get him. How you doing, mate? That's right, bitches, I'm back. <laughs> and I'm here to unleash a torrent of words on the new Marvel film. <laughs> I feel like you and I have basically become unofficial co-hosts on each other's show these days. Like, I've been on your show three times in the last four weeks or something. <laughs> something like that. I mean, you'd like to think we're official and that we're, you know, exclusive, but I feel yeah. like I'm still playing the field, you know? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to update my Facebook status. <laughs> I'm going to delete my Facebook. <laughs> But it is great to have you here. I mean, I love talking Marvel movies with you because you have such a passion for them that even even when you don't love a Marvel movie, you still somehow manage to love it. <laughs> well, well, the 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 thing about these Marvel movies is they put enough in there that if you're a fan of the comics like I am, yeah. that even if you don't like the movie, there's still stuff in there for you as a fan that you look at and go, oh, that was cool. Or, hey, you've adapted that. Oh, they've used that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, t- I totally get that. So I'm really curious. The last one that we spoke about, of course, was Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which you were a little bit low on. Yeah, and the more I think about it, the probably the lower I'm going to get. I'm going to, uh, well, me and Stacey, we're planning on rewatching it tonight, but my wife is now in bed with a sick child and yeah. I'm out sitting in the garage getting sick myself <laughs> because it's fucking cold out here and I didn't rug up. So, yeah, um, was go- was quite curious to rewatch it because I was kind of curious as to how I would feel about it now that the time's passed and I'm seeing it on a small screen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then I've, I've actually gotten quite a few messages from you over the last number of weeks MCU adjacent. There was one, uh, you've clearly been keeping up to date with all the MCU TV shows. I have not. Yes. And I'm yep. guessing that one of the most recent ones was not good because you, you were saying that you were feeling a bit upset with the MCU. <laughs> Well, it's we're at a point now where the MCU has totally blown its wad, and it's like it's it's like when you're at a party and it's like eleven o'clock, and it's like you're pumping, and this is amazing, and then you're just like this is never going to end. I feel like that was Endgame and Infinity War, yeah. And then I feel like now we've crossed past midnight. Some people have gone off to town. Some other people have hung around. Some people are too drunk. The person you're having a conversation with has repeated the same <laughs> shit about fifty <laughs> times, and you're just like, oh no. And like you know, like a couple of new people have shown up and you're like, oh, this will be exciting, but then you realise that they're not as interesting as the people you were talking to before, and so you're left going, what am I still doing here? <laughs> that is such a fantastic analogy. That fits so fucking well. <laughs> yes, it does. It started off very tentatively. It became a roaring crescendo, and now it's, um, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's yeah. get into this then. Thor Love and Thunder is a 2022 American superhero film based on, of course, the Marvel Comics character Thor. It's the direct sequel to Thor Ragnarok and the 29th film in the MCU. It's directed by Taika Waititi, who co-wrote the script with Jennifer Caitlin Robinson and, of course, directed Ragnarok as well. And it stars Chris Hemsworth, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Jamie Alexander, Russell Crowe and Natalie Portman. And what is it about, Sam? Well, first of all, you can suck a bag of dicks because people that listen to my podcast know that I have an incredible problem pronouncing TH words. So, for instance, I say thanks rather than how <laughs> normal people say it. So, when you get me on to talk about four, this is going to be hilarious. So, we're going to talk about four, four. <laughs> four, four. I cannot, I cannot, this is my, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's my thing. It's my uh, weirdness. But uh, 
what is it about? There's basically three subplots. So there's the Christian Bale is Gore the God Butcher subplot, where he was a devout religious man, religious priest or something like that, and then his God betrayed him, his daughter died, and now he's been given the Necro Sword and basically given the ability to go and slay gods. So he's charging around the universe, laying a whole bunch of gods. The second plot is that Nellie Portman, who is Jane Foster, she's dying from cancer and she gets instinctively called to go to New Asgard, where the former remains of Mjolnir are in, uh, enthroned sort of thing, or, you know, put in a little case as a, as a tourist display. And she becomes Jane Foster 4, so she, uh, the Mighty 4, as she calls herself in this film. And then the other plot is that we have Chris Hemsworth, who's trying to find his way in the universe as 4, and, um, you know, trying to put the past behind him, you know, be the guy that killed Thanos, but at the same time become this, you know, galaxy-saving hero. And so he's he's taken aback by what Gore's doing and wants to wants to stop him. Yeah. Nice. That sums it up. So yeah. this film so far has not been doing great critically. Uh, as of recording, it's 3% above The Dark World, which I know that you hate. You are not a fan of that as far as MCU goes. I wouldn't go as far as saying hate, but it's in my bottom five, if not bottom one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so it's I'm, not a good film. I'm it's so so curious for this discussion. I know that you love the crap out of Ragnarok. Let me just start with this. Did you enjoy this film? Did this film get you pumped? Is it better than you thought it was going to be? Is it worse than you thought it was going to be? Just what were your initial reactions on leaving the cinema? Well, this is the thing, right? So the storyline that it's based on is an amazing story, right? Well, actually, it's based on a couple of different stories. It's based on the death of Jane Foster storyline. It's based on the Mighty Four, which is when Jane Foster became Thor. And it's also based on the God of Thunder storyline, which is Gore the God Butcher and uh, basically Thor trying to take him on. And it, so there was expectations of, like, this is an amazing rich source material of, of storylines. If anybody that's come out in the last 10 years, all, all three of those storylines come out in the last 10 years, highly recommend it. To anyone who doesn't even read comics, it's the type of stuff that you can pick up and read from start to finish. So expectations were high because of that, because I knew the source material, because I love Taika Waititi, because I love Hemsworth, I love Portman, I love yep. Tessa Thompson, I love Christian Bale, I love Rusty Crowe. You know, there was a very high expectations. And then they got dashed abysmally when I started seeing like the reviews that you're talking about when it's like, oh, it's only slightly better than uh, in a dark world. How dark world is ranked higher than Eternals? I've got no idea, but that's, that's another <laughs> story. When I started seeing the like bottom ranked uh, Rotten Tomato scores for Marvel movies. But then, so I went into it with low expectations. And I'm going to say this, like when it's good, it's great. But unfortunately, yeah. there's too much there that's not good. And it, it's such mixed... It's such a mixed tone of a film, and it's such such a mixed yeah. delivery of a film. Like when yeah. it does the action scenes well, they're amazing, they're spectacular. Some of the best the MCU's done. When it does some of the heart, that's some of the best the MCU's done. Some of the overtop acting performances are some of the best. But then it's just <laughs> it's just missing something. Yeah, I can't I, really define yeah. it. it. It feels kind of soulless, which it hurts me to say that as a Taika Waititi fan because he he has such soul and energy. But this yeah. feels almost like he was trying to just replicate the magic of Ragnarok, and I really feel like it's missed. Because for me, I don't know about for you, but for me, almost none of the humor lands. I laughed maybe t two to three times in this film, and other than that, I did not find it funny. And I also found that most of the drama didn't land either. It came across very, very cheesy and out of place. I think that tonally, this movie is 
completely all over the shop. And I think that some of it's executed well, but yeah, I'm the same. And look, this isn't in my bottom five MCU films. Like, it's not a great film, but I think as far as phase four goes, it's not bad, but it's just not as fun as I thought I was going to be in for. It just feels like another Marvel property that's treading water because it yeah. didn't set up and leave us with anything. I mean, it does end. This is, this is the funniest part. Like, it does end on on a you know very obvious segue into what's going to happen next. And yeah. it was funny because the like the title card pops up at the end for War Return, and like yeah. somebody in the crowd was like, "They're doing another four movie." I'm like, <laughs> "Are you kidding? Of course like, they are." <laughs> Of course they fucking are. Yeah. I don't it's bizarre that he is the most bankable or not bankable, but it's bizarre that he's the one that's like constantly coming back. You know what I mean? Robert yeah. Downey Jr., I'm done. Chris Evans, I'm done. You know, like it, the people that we expect to have more than three movies aren't there for their third one. Yeah. And the fact that we haven't had a Black Panther two or a Captain Marvel two is phenomenal given that they were both billion grossing films. Yeah. So yeah. but I mean of course they're coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's get straight into it then. Let's start... Yes. I mean, okay, let's start cast. All right, Chris Hemsworth, obviously, he's played this role fucking a million times now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think he's great in this movie. Really? Yeah. I think that part of my problem with this movie stems from that central performance. And again, maybe it leans back to the script where I don't think tonally the movie knows what it's meant to be doing all the time. But I felt the same thing from his performance. I feel like he is a great comedic actor, actually. I think he's a much better comedic actor than he is a dramatic actor, which is why Ragnarok worked. And I feel like in this movie, he doesn't know from scene to scene what tone he's meant to be striking. Yeah, see, I, I always felt like Ragnarok is like top three. Like That is one of my top like favorite Marvel movies of all time. Yeah. And I feel like what, what they nailed right was they took the absurdity of the character and they amplified it, but at the same time, they didn't make him goofy. Like yeah. They didn't make him like Ant-Man or Star-Lord. Yeah. Whereas like, I feel that's the misstep they made with this film is they've made him really, really goofy. Yes. And it doesn't work. Like Ragnarok, you just feel like he's like fish out of water. I mean, it's cliche, but it's what it is. He's it's fish out of water who's on this massive journey around the universe and, you know, he's going from place to place. And he's like constantly bewildered by what's happening. And I feel like that works of the absurdity of this guy who is 5,000 years old, who's still a clueless, you know, teenage frat boy in a lot of ways. Like that works. When you put yeah. him into this film and he, he start trying to show character development and growth and all that sort of stuff, a lot of it, you're right, falls flat. A lot of it falls flat. <sighs> harmful as hell to put him in scenes with Nellie Portman when she's, you know, oh. dropping a 10 and he's dropping a 4. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, yeah. She is the MVP of this movie for me, hands down. And yeah. another complaint I have is that I actually don't think this movie does anywhere near enough with her. Like, I th it's funny, even though she's arguably almost the lead character, she actually does very little, I think. And I was it's really shocked at how short this film was. I didn't realise how short it was. I was in gold class, so I was getting my food delivered to me at various points. And when when the mains came in, I was like, there's no way we're halfway through this movie. <laughs> but we were. Crazy, and I right. just feel like she she's hands down the best thing about it, but didn't have enough to do, I think. Yeah, which if, to me feels like the Probably the worst part about this film is that I walked out of it and I thought that could have been half an hour longer yeah. and it would have been a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like the 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 storyline of her getting cancer but also being the mighty four and then it's like curing her chemotherapy or whatever. It's wiping her out of her system. That's 
integral to one of the storylines in the comics. Yeah. And it's like huge. It's like, you know, paramount to what she is because like spoiler alert for the storyline, but because she knows it's going to kill her. And, and even in the comics, like basically Asgard says, you're not the real four. We hate you sort of thing. So they sort of ostracize and cast her out yeah. and they really accept her sort of thing. And I was like, you know, like this is going to be huge. And then when he just drops it, it's like, Oh, you know, let's move on. And it's the same thing with like her battling cancer. Like we get mm. she told she's got cancer. We get a scene where she's like, Oh, I've got cancer. And then, Oh, Mjolnir is calling me, even though that doesn't really get explained, which I no, kind of yeah, liked. I kind of yeah. liked that we didn't have full exposition because I was like, oh, no thanks. Um, but it was like, and then she's the Mighty Four. And I was like, it's just so quick. It's yes, so, yeah. Like, linger yep. on us. Make us care about this character. Same with Christian Bale. They missed yes. a massive trick 100%. by making him gore the God Butcher. In the and first we scene. Don't see him murder any other gods except yeah. for the first one exactly before we e- I mean okay for starters we actually don't get a credit title card in this film which I personally no. love I'm a massive fan of the title card at the end I couldn't love it more but before we even get the Marvel logo he becomes God the God Butcher and we get yeah. we d- I don't think we get enough backstory there like I don't need heaps we see him in the desert we don't know why he's there whatever that's fine his daughter dies whatever and then instantly he's evil and we get nothing else and i think the movie is really on the nose i will say this it's nice to see a marvel movie that actually feels like it has a theme like taika waititi is clearly trying to say something here but he's saying it very very unsubtly like this movie is very it's very clearly an anti-religion film which i'm all for personally but it's it's just it's there's nothing hidden there at all and it's just kind of bashing you over the head with it and i agree that character development is completely gone no yeah exactly you just need a little bit of time to linger on these characters and just really like like the whole him becoming evil straight away. I can I can dig that because it's a necro sword, and they explain in the film that it that corrupts it, it you, corrupts and, him, yeah, 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 and it corrupts him. Like it was a pretty instantaneous corruption, but at the same time, like him murdering that god, like I felt was earned in the fact that the god that was, was a cool scene to him. too. Yeah, that was an awesome. That, scene. that god like, was they, being a dick. I loved that opening scene. Yeah, exactly. And like we we can see that four might have ended up like that god at some point because he's you know these guys have been just like childish dickheads. Yeah. And then when we go to Omnipotent City and we see Russell Crowe, yeah. we we can see that th- these gods are they're just absolute dickheads. And it's like it's funny. It's just like I don't know one of these things. Like if you live long enough, do you just become so bored yeah. with society that you just do whatever the hell you want? Probably. Well, it's true. I probably yeah. would. And, and I actually I do like that aspect of the film. I love that that opening god. I can't even remember what the god's name is. He basically just dies instantly. Rude. Um, or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I love that he basically just sees humans as playthings. Like their role is just to worship him and then die, basically. Because as a god, that would be your attitude. And I think that's really that's a cool aspect of the film. But I agree with you. The pacing is the pacing is poor because with Natalie Portman, for example, as Jane Foster, like she discovers that becoming the Mighty Thor is killing her only before she does it for the last time. <laughs> like, yeah. And we actually only see her do it, I think, three times. I think when they first meet in Asgard, and then I think after that, she only actually loses the hammer twice after that point. And so we don't really get that progression of her getting sicker and knowing that it's happening, and we don't really care. I would have loved to have seen at least one or two more transitions for her to really comprehend that, I think. And one of the saddest parts is that she's actually come out and said that there was whole planets and scenes and plots and all that, you know, like plot extensions that have been yeah. deleted from this film. 
She said, you know, they they filmed cameos with um, See, Peter Dinklage as Eatry the Dwarf. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. They did another one with the Grandmaster with Goldblum. They've done, wow. like, an entire scenes which would have better explained some of the stuff that's happened in yeah. this. It would have made it a way more fleshed out film. I, it, it, who knows, right? Like Blade Runner and stuff like that. Maybe there is going to be a film like this where 10, 20 years, Taika Waititi is going to come back and go, okay, this was actually the definitive version that I wanted to make. Yeah. However, yeah. you know, we just wanted to jam something out in two hours. And unfortunately, that, like, it, it takes it away because I feel like, and I hate to say bad things about New Zealanders, but I, like, I feel like Taika Waititi has received a ton of acclaim from having the ability to just pull the rug from underneath you. So there's a great yeah. shot of that in Jojo Rabbit where we've had this comical scene with the main character and then he bumps into the feet of his mum. And then he turns around and re- recognises the shoes and we realise that his mum's been hung for being like a, you know, being an underground agent type thing. And like it's it's just pulls the rug from under you like, holy hell. And like in this, it has those moments. However, those moments are just so like like abrupt it's like oh here's another one and here's another one and here's another yeah. one and it, the same thing goes for his cringe humor it's like there's there's a level of like cringe new zealand humor which as new zealanders we appreciate however yeah. korg quickly becomes the like drunk uncle at your reunion that you don't want to talk to he's sort of like yeah. oh god here we go again yeah. this dum dum but i mean it's there's, there's parts like that that you're just like oh just you know like there's this whole scene Pretty early on, when after Gore attack, attacks New Asgard, and then you know they're all talking around what to do, and then Portman flies off, and it just goes for so long that I got up and left. I went to the toilet and came back. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. you know you're exactly right. I had this chat just earlier this week with Katie from For Your Reference when we were talking about uh, Muriel's wedding, and I was saying how interesting it is that I think Australians kind of made a name for themselves in cinema by playing dumb. You know, like we've seen oh, yeah, Wilson yeah. do it as well. And I think it's a real shame that I think you're right. I think that's what Tyke is doing. He's like, oh, look at the silly New Zealander. Isn't his voice funny? <laughs> and I'm like, you could be doing more with that, though. <laughs> like, like it's yeah. kind of it's it's ironic that he's he's really like this great landmark for Kiwis in some ways. But he's I feel like lately he started doing it a little bit the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of bizarre it's like how colin farrell went from making these small indie films of being an amazing actor to suddenly has a massive budget thrown at him and becomes an absolute dick and all those films sucked and then he goes back to doing lower grade budget films like in bruges and suddenly he's the man again and it's just like is is that what's happening with taika waititi like if we give him a budget of 10 million will he make you know something out of nothing whereas you give him a budget of 250 or whatever he got for this i don't know yeah a lot and it's like he comes up with this like it's it's just a shame and it's like a part of me there's, there's two parts of me that I mentioned at the start of the podcast. There's the part of me that was like high expectations, the other part of me that was low expectations. I feel like I'm split right down the middle on this in a lot of ways, but yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I actually found this really hard to even think about putting a rating for on Letterboxd when I walked out because, like I said, I don't think it's terrible, but I just I just found it really flat and like soulless was the only word I could think of, which made me really sad. So before we move on from acting, can we talk about our man, Rusty Crow. <laughs> oh, hell yes. <laughs> I think this we... is where we're going to be split. Because I fucking really? hated Rusty in this movie. Good. <laughs> Good. You're supposed to. That's his character. <laughs> I mean, I Legit. am not a Russell Crowe fan. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I've never never been a Russell Crowe fan. It was funny there, listeners, because Russell Crowe was born in New Zealand, but raised in yeah. Australia. He's yeah. very much an Australian. <laughs> and there was a 
point there when Gladiator and uh, Inside Man and I can't remember Proof of Life or something like that. There was a point there. I own Romper Stomper. There was a point there where he was on a roll, like late nineties on an absolute roll. And New Zealanders and Australians used to fight two for nail yeah. over whether he was an Aussie or a New Zealander. Yep. And then he started throwing phones. <laughs> <laughs> and all that sort of shit. I know, and we all I mean, we all went, nah, bro. He's yours, man. We don't want anything yeah. to do with him. Yeah, he's the perfect casting for this role because you can literally see him throwing a phone as Zeus, like he's just a. <laughs> yeah, doesn't throw a phone. He throws a lightning bolt. What a yeah. dude! Yeah, what an absolute but I, dude. I mean, I don't know, man. That accent, like, I, I don't. Is he trying to do Greek or or like Roman or something? But he's doing like an Australian like version of Greek. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. it was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous, and I loved it for that. Like I, I mostly okay. Here's the thing: I I don't really like Korg, and probably because it's too close to home. Maybe yeah. him doing that accent is too close yeah. to home for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. that's yeah, yeah, maybe too close. No, 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 lies. A spoiler alert for our upcoming episode of Movie Reviews and Twenty Qs. My fa- one of my questions is: Is this the best performance we've got out of Russell Crowe in the last twenty years? <laughs> the last twenty years. Okay, so that wouldn't include Gladiator, then. Nah, it doesn't include Gladiator. Um, last twenty years. You know what? This probably isn't far off his best performance in the last right? twenty years. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, jeez. It's still better than his music. <laughs> <laughs> Video um, foot to Grant. So let me. Can I just ask you this, as the resident Marvel fan of We Watched yeah. Thing, the guy who explains things to me? Obviously, yes. jumping ahead here, Russell Crowe plays a large part in the post-credits scene of this film. Is that a runner from the comics? I, I didn't realize that the Greek, like obviously Thor being a god, a Norse god, not a Greek god, yep. is a runner in the comics. But I wasn't aware that Greek gods were ever in the play. Like, is Hercules a character in the comic books? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So Hercules got introduced in Journey into Mystery Annual number one. Journey into Mystery Annual. Journey into Mystery was the comic series that introduced Thor, and um, basically Hercules and. Thor have had a ton of fights over the years. They've had tons of scraps, but then they've both been Avengers. So they've yeah, both, right. It's one of these like rivalries of like, I'm the stronger god. No, I'm the stronger god. Yeah, you know, yeah. Sort of thing. It's like this bizarre rivalry. Same thing between Zeus and Odin. Those two have hated each other and had scraps, and yeah, you know, they enter these sons of these competitions and all that sort of stuff. And it's 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 been a long ongoing rivalry, basically. So did that. Did that post credit scene get you excited for future Thor yes. movies? Or it did, okay. <laughs> Let me ask you this off then. before you ask the question. <laughs> yes. Mostly because we get, um, what's his name? Brett Goldstein, is that the yeah, guy? Yeah, Brett Goldstein, yeah, yeah. Plays Roy Kent out of um, Ted Lasso. That's what got me excited. I was yeah. like, I love this dude. I love how much of a hard ass he is. I was well, like, yes. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. Obviously, Hercules is, you know, in pop culture and just in uh, in history, is a prominent character, but usually falls to two sides of the fence. So let me ask you this. The Marvel iteration, is that closer to, say, the Disney Hercules, where he's a nice guy, or is it closer to the traditional Greek mythology where he's a complete animal, just like rapist and murderer? Whoa. And, like, which side of the fence are we falling on here? Is he in the middle? Yeah, full disclaimer, I'm not the biggest Marvel nerd when it comes to Hercules. He's always been sort of like a second-tier Avenger. So he's always been kind of a good guy. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Yeah, he had his rivalry of four, obviously, but he's always been kind of a good guy. He was really good friends with Captain America, actually. So there you yeah. go. It's it's one of his things, which is one of the biggest um, 
yeah, sad parts for Captain America fans is that we're not going to see Hercules and Cap have a have a relationship. But yeah, <laughs> all right, sweet. So moving on, let me ask you about the visuals of the film because I think particularly Ragnarok had a really striking uh, visual language to it. it very colourful, very bright. And this film, I think, for the most part, I think honestly goes too far with that. There's a lot of rainbow in this film. And then there's a full sequence in near black and white. Did you like the look of this film? Where were you on, like, the CGI and everything? I I quite enjoyed it purely because it is replicating Jack Kirby's world. And Jack Kirby was the creator of Four and Fantastic Four and X-Men and had a little bit of a part in Spider-Man. Incredible Hulk, all, all those like main Marvel characters was a lot of them was Jack Kirby and Stan Lee's obviously creations. And Kirby used to draw all these you know intergalactic worlds, and they were yeah. always like bizarre and out there and surreal. And you know you feel like you're tripping on acid basically when you see yeah. them. So yeah. the use of them in this was quite good. Like the Omnipotent City, I couldn't fault that. I thought that was really well done. Um, one of the battles at the start I thought was pretty good and then I thought the whole idea of the Shadow Realm like this is this is the thing like everyone's complaining about how Marvel wasn't building to anything like they're building to what's called Secret Wars in the comics which is when a whole bunch of universes come together and they brawl basically and so to have yeah. that shown as the Shadow Realm and then the fact that it draws colour out of there and then you know when Mjolnir lights up and um, Stormbreaker and stuff to actually see the colour coming back into the colour palette I thought that was quite cool yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people have been folding this, maybe, but I actually really enjoyed it. That was one of the sort of sides of it that I was like, this is really cool. This is really out there. It was really cool. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually really liked the look of it. One thing I love about recent Marvel is that, like you said, those other universes, we're really diving into those now, which I mm-hmm. think is fucking awesome. You know, because a lot of people think of Marvel and, you know, they think of New York because of, like, Spider-Man. Um, because one thing that Marvel famously did unlike dc with metropolis and smallville and stuff marvel really kept it grounded in real world which is why i think it works so well when we go off earth and we play with all those other universes and galaxies and stuff that the comics did but it works so fucking well and i love that we're doing that i didn't love the guardians of the galaxy stuff in this film i gotta say and i i'm curious to see what happens with guardians 3 is that Timeline-wise, chronology-wise, like, I don't know if there's any word on this. Is Thor going to be in that? Is that going to take place before Love and Thunder, do you think? No, I'd say it's going to be afterwards. I reckon it's going to be, like, sort of like Star Trek, The Search for Spock. I think it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy, The Search for Gamora. You know, they know Gamora's out there in the galaxy. Admittedly, it's not the same Gamora, but they know she's out there somewhere. And I feel like them leaving is just like, yeah, we're off. We're off to do our own thing. Yeah. Plus the, the Guardian. I, I don't want to spoil too much for. Um, I don't want to spoil too much for future upcoming Marvel films. Plus, they've got some major characters. That's all I'm going to say that they need to introduce into that new Guardians movie. That's like going to have Squirrel Girl. Be- <laughs> yeah, oh, I would love Squirrel Girl. Same. I would absolutely love Squirrel Girl <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a movie. But um, oh, I mean, it's common knowledge. Adam Warlock's coming, and he's yeah. he's a pretty huge part of Marvel, you know, films or Marvel lore sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah, the um, the Guardian stuff for me was just some of the film that we were talking about earlier that I think tonally just didn't work. Because there is some heavy stuff that's meant to happen there, but it feels, um, I don't know, just tonally it didn't work for me at all. Yeah, same. Like, I, I was the same. Like, I, 
it's like you've got them in there. Like, why not use them for something? But again, it just felt rushed. It was like, yeah. hey, we'll, hey, we'll give Nebula a line. Oh, she's still angry. And hey, we'll give, you know, Mantis a line. Oh, she's still dumb. And yeah. Drax is still an idiot as well. And Rocket will say something sarcastic. And, you know, yeah. it, it was the same with Star-Lord and Fallout. Their interactions is just like, yeah, you know, like they used to be kind of rivals. And Star-Lord used to be arrogant. And then mm-hmm. one moment he's very submissive to him. The next one he's like, okay, see you, bye. You know, get rid of, oh, we can't stand you, dude. And it's just like, what? what? Yeah. You know, where's, yeah. It just felt completely pointless to me. Like, if that's the only interaction we get now between Thor and Guardians, I don't understand why he even went with them in the first place. To have, like, five minutes of, you know, kind of retelling by Korg of him being with the Guardians, I just don't understand why Endgame even finished that way. Yeah, it, it's just, it felt like, hey, I've got to leave. I've got to, you know, what's that, um, what was it, Poochie or whatever? And just yeah. like, I've got to go. I, yeah, my, my planet, my planet needs me. <laughs> it, it was kind of like that at the end of Endgame, where it's like, uh, uh, Thor's just like, yeah. I've got to go, other planets need me. And it's like, well, where are you going? You know what I mean? Like, he could yeah. easily taken off by himself and we didn't need the Guardians there. It feels like, yeah. I don't know, like this is a massive Marvel comics and then Marvel movies thing is like having interactions with other comics, uh, you know, other characters, I should say, in these films. And I feel like they use that for that device. And, you know, we saw them yeah. leave and it was like, maybe they had massive plans of what to do. But, you know, I feel like they realized pretty quickly and was why they wrote them out of the film. is just like, you've got this omnipotent God and then you've got a bunch of dudes that are pretty handy with weapons, you know? And it's just like- yeah. They, they even play it for last. They're like, as soon as four steps on the field, it's just like, you know, he just wipes out everyone, including <laughs> including a yeah, deep watch. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. I I, I, liked that. I laughed at that. But, yeah. yeah. Let me ask you one question about the soundtrack. No. <laughs> I, I'm very curious to know where you were on the soundtrack. I think that, for me, it didn't work. Like, there's a lot of kind of 80s-inspired music and stuff here, and... For me, it's just kind of like a replication of Guardians, but in Guardians, it tied into the story. It made sense. Yeah. Here, it's it's literally just kind of for the fun of it, for the nostalgia of it, and I actually I don't rate that. I didn't I didn't really love the soundtrack in this film. They tr- they used three Guns N' Roses songs, and they had yeah. had name himself Axel after Guns N' Roses, and yeah. Again, it's. I feel like it's getting high on your own supply because I feel like in the in Ragnarok, you know, Taika tried to make this like a '80s pulp, you know, '80s almost grindhouse in a way, like '80s like cinema, like the likes of Highlander and all that sort of stuff. Like I feel yeah. like he was trying yeah. to make a, um, you know, like an '80s fantasy film, and so a lot of like the you know promo art and stuff like that for it was very inspired and you know using music as well. Like I'm mean, obviously Led Zeppelin was from the '70s, but it's one song we will remember when we think of Ragnarok. But to then like go and like try and make Guns N' Roses happen again, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, really? Like, you know, yeah. I get it, but I don't mm. Guns N' Roses ain't Kate Bush, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but then, see, that's the thing. That's the way you can take one 80s song and just totally permeate pop culture with it. Oh, yeah. But you know why that worked? Like, I, I've, I've always been a Kate Bush lover, and I've actually had that song on a million mixtapes since I was very young. But the reason that that worked is because of the way it was tied into the story. It that that song in Stranger Things thematically had something to do, and it meant something. And I think that that's why people connected with it so much, because it when you hear that song, it reminds you of that scene. Now you think of her running away from Vecna. Spoiler alert! But um, I like, haven't seen Stranger Things, by the way. Right? Okay. <laughs> well, spoilers. Uh, whereas in this, the music's just kind of there, and it's like, okay, yeah, not really doing it for me. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I feel like the only one I'll give props to is Sweet Child of Mine sort of felt like foreshadowing. Yeah, okay. So let's let's move towards the end now. Yep. This film ends... Uh, before, we, before we move on to that, I'd just like to point out that I didn't realise you love Bush. So thanks. <laughs> I mean, so that's that's an interesting tidbit of information, Billy. Billy loves Bush, everyone. Can I ask you about the ending? Does Thor, like comic book Thor... Does he adopt a child? Does he adopt Gore's child? Is this a is no. this a storyline? No, no. It was a very surprising twist in that you know it, this is again it feels a little bit disjointed. Where Gore's dying, he knows he's dying. He has one wish, and rather than wish for him to be healthy with his wife and family again, he wishes yeah. for his daughter to be alive and adopted by the dum-dum that's caused his demise. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get it. He could have wished for a million things. Like, honestly, yeah. he like I was almost expecting him to wish for Jane Foster to survive. Uh, right, yep. Because I felt like in those final moments, she was the one who had connected with him. Um, honestly, that whole turn felt ridiculous to me. It was one of those tonally misplaced things where it just didn't feel grounded in any way. Um, I I just don't get it other than to have Thor team up with a kid in the next film, which is always a bad idea because child actors. <laughs> child, not it, not to mention, I believe that is Hemsworth's daughter. I feel like it's Hemsworth. Yeah, it was Chris Hemsworth's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we go. That's that's what we're dealing with here. It was it wasn't good. I, I'll say this, like you know, child actors, whatever. I thought the kid that played Heimdall's son was pretty good. I thought giving blessing all these kids to give them the power of four was pretty amazing yeah that was, that was pretty cool an army of mini fours i thought that was kind of cool i thought that yeah. was pretty sweet uh we're talking about, like you know i'm gonna start rattling off some positives because i've been pretty negative this entire podcast and there are some cool <laughs> yeah. things uh, i didn't like i mean i really liked how like we mentioned before that they didn't fully explain how mjolnir caught her and that sort of stuff until later on i liked in this how she split apart mjolnir and then recomposed it around the necrosword and realized that if she destroyed it she'd destroy the necrosword that doesn't get explained and i loved that yeah. i love the fact that like they both look at each other and they both know you've got to do this but it's going to kill you and then they do yeah. it i was like that was awesome so, I mean, okay, I, d I don't actually know what's next. What's next for the MCU? What comes out after this? I should know this. Uh, we're going to get a She-Hulk TV series. We're then going to roll oh, into a Black Panther movie. And then we've got a Guardians movie early next year. We've got the Marvels movie, which is Captain Marvel. Monica Rambeau, Jeez. who's also a Captain Marvel. And Ms. Marvel teaming up for a movie. So, train don't stop, bro. <laughs> I mean, so here we are, 29 films in, which has to be unheard of. Like, even, like, take the only other franchise I can think of that's gone on for this long is James Bond. And yep. that yep. that actually has not even continued as a franchise for 29 films because they've done things like reset it, change actors, you know, all that stuff. I don't think we have ever or will ever see another franchise that will continue for this many films. Um. I mean, are you, as a Marvel fan, are you still excited for what comes next? Is there still a little part of you that's like, fuck yes, I can't wait to sit there opening night and fucking cheer? <laughs> yeah. Yes! You know what? That makes me happy. Even though yeah, I yeah, don't you know, like- there's, uh, there's always a level of optimism because the thing is, like, they've barely touched the treasure trove of stories that they can roll out. 
you know, yeah. like we we can still have Galactus done right. We can still have Doctor Doom done right. We can see some of the X Men storylines because we know the X Men are coming. We've already had one introduced in Doctor Strange. We, there's all these different storylines. Does that count Plus, though? Does he does count it, because it was a multiverse? Yeah, it's just he's still an X Man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just say like there is. There's so much more out there. I mean, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Black Panther. Obviously, with Chadwick Boseman's passing, whether they'll pass yeah. the things on to Shuri. I feel like as much as people are ragging on, well, it's got no direction. It's got no direction. You know, no, there's no Thanos coming. I feel like we've, like I mentioned, we've got the multiverse happening. I feel like we've got the Young Avengers happening, which is not something I'm really that interested in, to be honest. I haven't found Ms. Marvel all that entertaining. Um, loved Kate Bishop. Fort Hawkeye was kind of all right. Fort Loki was all right. But, you know, like the Young Avengers being basically like all the kid versions of, of Avengers. So Kate Bishop's a good example. Yel- Yelena. Belova being a younger Black Widow, all that sort of stuff. I can imagine us seeing that in America Chavez. Um, what else is there that they're setting up for? There's something else that I was thinking about. I... Oh, I mean, it's endless, isn't it? <laughs> it is endless. It's absolutely endless. There was something else. Oh, and the other, oh, the other one that I'm more more fascinated about would be Thunderbolts, which is basically a group of bad guys getting put together to do good things, which you might think, well, that's the Suicide Squad, and yeah, it is in a lot of ways, but this is actually bad guys trying to reform and become good guys. So Abomination, who we saw pop up in Shang-Chi, you know, he'll be in there. Zemo, who was in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and also the bad guy in Civil War. Like these, These people that are basically being recruited to become like a new team of Avengers, but uh, they'll be way more morally ambiguous. So we might see the Punisher yep. or Moon Knight or Ghost Rider or somebody like that in them. So yeah, I'm kind of nice. excited to see that. Namor's getting introduced to the MCU and Black Panther 2. These are all spoilers for the entire <laughs> future of, of Marvel properties. If you don't know who Namor is, he's an arrogant dick. He's a massive <laughs> arrogant dick. He's like if Aquaman was even more of a dick. And the fact that I saw photos of a premiere with Jason Momoa and Taika Waititi hang- hanging out made me think... You know, like, man, it would be so funny if they introduce, because he's not going to play Namor, but it would be so funny if they introduce him as, like, one of Namor's yeah. bad guys. And I was like, yeah, yeah do that. That's a good <laughs> bit of stunt casting. Oh, mate. Well, I love talking film with you, and I love talking MCU with you, because even if I don't, like, have the same passion for these films as you do, there's nothing like seeing someone who's still excited after 29 films. It's like, it's like when you watch a hot dog eating contest and they've crammed so many fucking hot dogs in their mouth, but they're still going. And it's like, that's actually <laughs> inspiring on some level. <laughs> it's like when you go and watch a gangbang and you're like... <laughs> so... I am landing on a 6 out of 10 for Thor Love and Thunder. It, yep. it, there's a, a small part of me that feels like that's harsh, and then there's another part of me that feels like that's too high. I really wrestled between, like, even like a 5, I think, honestly sounds fair for this film, given my enjoyment of it. But you know what? It's not long, and that's fine. Mm. But I'm with you. I, I kind of wish it was longer. Like, Lena Headey was meant to be in this film. And really? Yes. I don't know who she was going to play, but there's a big lawsuit about it at the moment because her role got cut. And that disappoints me because I fucking love Lena Headey. Yeah, I love her as well. I, she was probably... I wonder who she would have been. She might have been... Um, Hera? You know, wife of Zeus, maybe? Yeah, yeah, right. That would make sense. That would be sense. cool. I actually, I like I said, I'm not too familiar with where that goes in the comics, but I would love to see more Greek gods in here. I'd love to get like Prometheus and stuff going on. Right. Uh, Ares is another one that I'd, I'd be really keen to see because he's basically 
Like we've seen him pop up in Wonder Woman, and he's and yes, they we've seen Zeus pop up in um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So we've seen yeah. the Greek gods over there, but the yeah. one in the um, the one in the Marvel one is just a massive dick. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's, he's like, Russ- yeah, he's like, just like you've got your four, who's like your, um, you know, like chaotic good, and then you've got Hercules, who's your chaotic neutral, then you've got Ares, who's your chaotic evil and it's like it's, it's what you want he's like just a massive brooding badass that's the one i want to see yeah nice russell crowe's accent was so bad when he was talking to hercules at the end i actually thought he said achilles at first and i was like oh achilles <laughs> that's interesting. Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so mate yeah. thank you so much for joining me once again you are literally one of my best podcasting friends you can hear me on your show this week talking about jurassic park with topher of all people who you can-, can i haven't even put that episode out because uh <laughs> stuff's happened so yeah um you can you can go over to movie reviews and 20 cues i'm sure billy will put a link in the show notes and you can listen to these two return talking return of the jedi and oh that's uh, right it was return of the jedi jurassic yeah, park not was jurassic last park. week <laughs> Have not a beer, Billy. I've been on your show too much lately, mate. It's all blended you have. together. You have. Yeah, you have. But have me back next week. I'll come back happily. <laughs> Excellent. We'll do. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, next week, speaking of Topher, he will be back with me this week for our 250th episode, where he thought it would be a great idea to revisit Ben Affleck's Daredevil film from 2004. I... Um, <laughs> so disappointed not to be on this episode. Daredevil's my jam. He's my favorite superhero. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much we drank. We, I haven't even thought about editing the episode yet because I'm, I'm hesitant. It's going to be a mess. It's all over the shop. Every time we do a drunk episode, I'm like that because I look at the runtime the next day and it's like oh. three hours forty five, and I'm like. What? And then like oh. they they always get trimmed down to an hour, but I'm always yeah. sitting there like, okay, we're talking about <laughs> what at this point? I'm and then actually, skipping ahead, skipping ahead, skipping ahead. I'm like, we haven't even asked a question for like 50 minutes. Yeah. What the hell are we doing? Yeah. I'm actually worried. I already don't remember whether we actually introduced the film we were doing or not. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not looking forward to cutting that one. Um, but that'll be next week and then the week after Noosk will be joining me we'll be checking out Persuasion new uh, I think Dakota Johnson is in it um, which I, I like her so I'm, I'm keen Why? for that <laughs> alright in the meantime if you want to get in touch with me you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com you can find me on Facebook Instagram and Twitter all under the handle at wewatchthething if you want to help support the show you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthething and I'll catch you next week go watch a movie Oh, 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 oh,